Cavalcade Audio Productions presents Star Drifter, the science fiction audiobook series written and read by David Collins Rivera. Today's story, another show at 22. It was a small crowd in a small club, but it was work, and he was glad to have it. Very glad after the Criney Brothers fiasco, if he ever caught up with those little grifters. What about when he's sitting by window in shuttleboat? He started off, going into his space travel routine. It was kind of stale now, he knew, but this crowd wouldn't notice. Maybe it was because he was working in English and his accent was funny. That usually made it better but not tonight. Mother-in-law loves when Boris comes over. Another old bit. What difference did it make? He usually performed a long pantomime with it as well, imitating the fictitious woman and even talking like her, singling out people in the crowd as if they were her bedraggled son-in-law. That would be a waste. He'd have to throw a chair at these mummies to get their attention. Some guy in back started coughing really hard, like he was choking over his badly prepared meal. This continued for several minutes. On another night, Zarish might have heckled the man. It would have been more trouble than it was worth for this audience, and it wasn't worth much to begin with. His wrist chrono showed he had another ten minutes yet to go, so he decided to eat up half the remaining time singing a ribald song about the perils of sleeping around. It looked like a few of them listened for the first few seconds before losing interest again. It was a crowd that didn't want to be entertained. Why were they even here? He finished off his spot with an extended shuffle-along-slash-celebrity-impression bit that made fun of vid stars and some older politicians, sung in a long, silly chant that he'd written maybe eight years before. The exact moment the contracted time for his spot was up, he stopped, said thanks and goodbye, and trotted off the small round stage to some scattered, inattentive clapping that lasted all of five seconds. Boris Markov, laughs and music at 20 and 2200 hours, everybody, came the amplified voice of the unseen manager. Let's give him a big hand! Wick sat in his office somewhere on the other side of the space station, but had cameras in all key spots in the club and ran it pretty much by remote. A lazy man for a lazy place. That was crap, Chiga pronounced, leaning against the bar, looking half-sloshed already. The tall woman had to go on in 20 minutes herself, but didn't seem like she could stand up. That was misleading. Somehow, whenever Wick called for the house to give a warm, Gant Station welcome to Chi Runu, the last comic in the universe, 
Chiga would get fully to her feet, curly head held high, and stalk through the throng with all the confidence and clarity she lacked before and after the act. It was like she saved it up solely for her time on stage. "'Is tough crowd,' Zarish said, and ordered a shot of Grano from the barbot. The comics could drink for free during show hours, which was more of a perk for some than for others. "'No such thing,' Chiga slurred, but then cursed when she turned to look out at them, as if doubting her own words. "'Be having fun,' Zarish wished politely." tossing back his tiny glass and then moving off. Chiga was a slob when drunk, and she was always drunk, except on stage. Too late for that, came the reply, but it was nearly unintelligible because the woman set it into her glass. Zarish headed for the door. He had an hour and a half to kill until his next set, and this sure wasn't a place to do it in. He could take a walk in the park, maybe, that was always nice, and they had a big flower exhibit going on now at the Botanical Garden Dome over there. Zarish never got tired of seeing and smelling flowers. The colors, the scents, the very sound of them rustling in the artificial breeze. It was so different from back home. All of this was different, and different was good. He walked along the busy avenue, calling out to people he'd come to know over the previous days. A tall barker for another club across the road waved and made some comment Zarish didn't quite catch over the noise of a passing tram. The comic laughed politely anyway, pointing at him. A gaggle of prostitutes in their licensed zone on the street corner offered greetings as he walked by. He liked these people. Or people like these, anyway. He followed the main road for a bit then cut over towards port side of the station, where the extended parklands began. Carefully sculpted rolling hills and low bushes added attractive greenery and calmness smack in the center of all the bustle, and he smiled as he walked through the place's open gate. Gant Park was more than he expected when he first got here. A beautiful spot in what would otherwise be a grimy little life. A piece of magic, really. A stone-mold walkway led to a tall, translucent dome set on a low hill. Its bright, holographic sign floated in midair over the entrance. In English, it declared the place to be the Botanical Gardens, and further, that a special flower exhibit was currently open. Several people came and went as he approached, some with little kids, some with pets on leashes. They all looked as happy and excited as Zarish felt, even the animals. The very thought of these decorative plants, of such exotic, colorful life living within an artificial place, free for anyone to experience, was downright intoxicating. If Chiga spent a little of her drinking time here, she wouldn't need the bottle half so much. The dome's interior was filled almost to bursting with vegetation. It was like a forest, humid and dark in some spots, but never gloomy. Roped-off pathways wound away in many directions around short trees and tall shrubberies, out of sight. Every few meters, a placard was posted in front of various plants. The little signs were animated with short vids describing the more noteworthy species on display. 
Murmuring voices from these things, as well as from the other visitors, mostly out of sight, filled the place with a busy, gentle sort of tranquility. Zarish followed one narrow path until he came to a short, spreading tree, the plaque for which identified it as a hybrid dwarf oak. Its leaves were distinctive, and its large seeds, which the plaque called acorns, were scattered on the ground. The comedian picked one up. There was a bench nearby, in a wide spot on the path, and he parked himself upon it so as to study the small round thing. It was strange, wearing what looked like a stiff cap. He smiled. Life on Terra had certainly been rich and full. It still was, supposedly, though he doubted he'd ever get there to see for himself. Travel to and from humanity's birthplace was regulated. Not just anyone was allowed to set foot on the ground, and he wasn't anyone. Zarish wondered if he could build a routine about that for his show. Maybe do a bit about a guy's first trip to Terra. That could have some comedy potential, as the imaginary guy ran into whales and tigers and stuff in the streets. Hey, you're Boris, right? Zarish looked up to see a short man, or short by most modern standards. He was Zarish's height. The fellow looked to be in his late thirties and bore dark, close-cropped hair and a little goatee sans mustache. He was chubby, wearing a pale yellow flight suit that didn't flatter his figure at all. Ja. I just saw you at the club. Sorry if I'm intruding. No, it's good. You laugh? I did. Almost choked on my pseudo-steak. Ah, was you. Hard coughing. Sorry, is Boris's job. No problem. Actually, I missed a lot of the show. I came in late. Is not big deal. Dead crowd anyway. Having seat? He put in, scooting over and gesturing for the man to sit. The guy thanked him and settled down with a sigh. Boy, this is beautiful, he said to the comic and took a deep breath. It smells so nice in here, like perfume. Is flowers at the other side of dome. So yesterday is all very nice. I believe it. I'll have to check it out. The round man looked at him frankly. Are you living here on Gant? Now, only been here a week and a half. I'm leaving day one for two. Is that Wednesday? Whatever day is Wednesday, I'm off to Sropen Station. Sropen? I haven't been there in years. It was kind of dumpy from what I remember. Zarish nodded sheepishly. He's still, but his own comedy circuit. Been there eight, nine times. Cannot say. <laughs> Do not want to say. And the fat man laughed. What is name? Call me Gunner, he said, then repeated it several times as they shook hands, like it was a comedy routine all its own, Zarish fumbling, getting it wrong, and hamming it up for a fan. They both laughed. <laughs> I'm a spacer, shipping out tomorrow. Thought I'd see downtown before then. I noticed your poster outside the club and remembered you. Where you see Boris? <laughs> Where haven't you been seen? He countered with a grin, and the comic had to concede the point. Is true, Boris like fly on compost. 
always moving but never far from smell. As a rule, Zarish didn't like to hang out with people he didn't know, unless they were showbiz types. Regular people could be boring, or what was worse, starstruck. You could talk to fans, but not with them, and it rarely stood out as a good time. Then again, this tour had not been a good time from the start. If there was one thing he'd learned since hitting the road, it was to take all the flattery he could get. Besides, this guy was certainly harmless enough and hadn't gushed at all. Just to let know, Zarish warned, only half kidding, Boris not into guys, and does not let guys into Boris. This got another laugh, which ruled out any mixed signals. It went a long way toward making the situation seem mundane and comfortable. The round man assured him his preferences were understood. To prevent any stilted silences or awkwardness, Zarish immediately held up the acorn for the other's inspection. He's just one seed. Grows into three. He motioned to the dwarf oak. Gunner studied the plant as well as the acorn. You'd never know one of those was inside one of these, he commented, and Zarish agreed. Surprise package, the comic added then pantomimed planting the acorn, followed by a tree exploding from the ground. The other man laughed again. They sat quietly after this, enjoying the green life around them. Gunner was staring at the tree. He seemed very focused on it. Or was he? To Zarish, it began to seem like the man was looking at something else entirely. Maybe something disturbing because his forehead was wrinkled and his dark eyes were unfocused. Behind the tree was just more bushes and ferns and things. There wasn't anything bothersome over there. When you see Boris before? Where? Zarish asked again, this time quietly. Oh, years ago. Been a long way from here. How long is we? 53.5 light years, to be exact. Zarish felt a coldness creeping into his stomach. It wasn't fear or dread or anything so melodramatic. It wasn't shock. He was very hard to shock. It wasn't even the fact that someone had recognized him. It was memory. It was the nostalgia of a cold place, a cold home. Barlow, Zarish spoke. It was a whisper, but the other man heard it and nodded. You from Barlow? You not sound it. The man was still studying the oak, as if expecting it to move. It didn't. No, I was just visiting, taking in the sights. Sights like Carnivus? There it was, but Zarish didn't flinch. If the man knew about Barlow, then what else was there? What else could they possibly talk about? You went by another name, then, Gunner pursued. The stand-up comic made a small, dismissive sound. Names. is show business. And changing names like underwear. Who is caring? I care. 
but not about Boris Smirkov. Was ugly time, bad place to be living, and visiting. Gunner finally turned away from the tree, but didn't look at Zarish. He was seeing something that no one else could. The comedian thought he saw it anyway. Those times, he told the man. Long gone. Are they for you? You're able to do that? Just wave it all away? You not native. You not know. You not know anything. Anything! And just as fast, Zarish was angry. A couple of lovers strolling by at that moment glanced over, surprised at a raised voice in this place. But Zarish flashed them a professional smile and they walked on, probably unconvinced. I know what I saw you do. What Zarish do? Zarish? Not Boris, not Paolo. Many names, Zarish repeated, tasting bitterness that hadn't been there moments before. What Zarish do besides live? They come to door. They ask, you being patriot or you being elitist? They say they need host for a new show called Carnivus. Zarish not knowing what it is, what he should answer them. I know what you did answer. Ja, they tell Zarish do it or end up like the rest. Gonna think he do better? When they come to you, you smile, you nod, or you burn. That whole regime is gone now, the fat man replied with a wave, as if in imitation of a stiff breeze that had blown the madness away from that world, as if the only thing left of it, of the time and of the people who burned their own citizens for the entertainment of the masses, was this moment of reflection between two strangers. But I was there that first night. I saw you dancing like a monkey. And now Zarish alive. You not see ashes. You see him having no choices. You whipped the mob up. They didn't just stop with Carnivus. Have you read about it since then? I have. Men and women who saw the live broadcasts, who saw you laughing over the incineration of your own people, their own people. They went on little rampages of their own. All over Barlow, lynch mobs and death squads hunted up elites and enemies of the state and anyone that anyone had a grudge against. Thousands of them, Paolo. Izarish. I know you as Paolo. The man insisted, his volume low, but the gravity of his voice increasing like a fall into a planetary well. You collaborated. You made the whole thing into high comedy, and a world laughed while it killed. Jokes is Zarish's job. Zarish not hurt anyone, ever. He never kill. He never shoot. Zarish is clown, only clown. Make everyone laugh. Not everyone. A friend of mine burned that night. Not Zari should do it. He never hurt any peoples. He's victim. Gunnar not see this. Zarish is victim too. If he not perform at Carnivus for the Blues, they kill him and get someone else. You could do different. We're not talking about me. Not talking about Zarish either. It was long time ago, as you say. Zarish shook his head, his mouth in a frown. 
He could leave. He should leave. Leave this accusing weirdo behind. Leave the memories and the moments where they all belonged. But he didn't move. This man didn't understand. On the vid, years later, Zarish had seen documentaries about the Barlow Revolution and the Counter-Revolution and the Counter-Counter-Revolution. The media was obsessed with the atrocities, with the perversion of turning public executions into a show, including music and dancing and comical acts, as if Barlow had been the first place in history where that happened. Gunner had asked if Zarish read up on it. Of course he had. He had learned about it all. The French Revolution back on terror, the reign of terror. Oh, no one talked about that. Sure, it was hundreds of years ago, but that doesn't change the fact that this kind of thing had indeed happened before. And if anyone thought it couldn't happen again, they were delusional. They were kidding themselves as deeply and as surely as this fat little man sitting next to him. Funny, stupid man. A tourist to Barlow, catching it at a bad moment, and he would judge a whole culture. Who does Gunnar think he is? Zarish demanded at last, feeling the injustice of it welling up. Feeling the guilt heaped upon his head by the news media, by historians, and by all the successive Barlow governments, one after the other. Because, of course, as soon as the secular butchers had been tossed out and themselves executed, and the next political party was rolled in, anyone who had anything to do with the previous group was painted with the same brush. He'd had to flee the planet, his own world. Zarish had no choice. He could live or he could die. Zarish's wife killed by mob even before Carnavas. Crazy people roaming streets. What she ever do? What she do to you to make you think like this? How proud would she have been to see you bounce across the stage in Freedom Square? You not talk about her. Gunnar thinks he would be different. He would maybe fight them. How? How he do this? I have my own demons, Paolo. Don't you worry. Then who is Gunnar to ask questions? Zarish say again. Was no choice. He spoke the words slowly because they were the truth. The only truth he knew. The only truth he could ever, ever know. The round spacer watched him and yet didn't. Perhaps he saw the comic up on stage again, back in the square. He did seem transported, not sitting in this quiet, tranquil garden, so like an emerald in a setting of steel. No, he looked out upon ugliness. The entertainer couldn't breach that gap for him. He couldn't make this survivor see that things then didn't have to define them now. This man remembered too well, and it was a curse. There was no other name for it. Gunner was cursed. And Zarish was free, because as a performer, he got to watch the world from up on stage. Every world. This one, the next one, even the one the round man was lost in, with its perpetual winter and bloodshed. This traveler had seen the place at its worst, and it was still all he could see of it. 
It was a pity. Yes, Zarish pitied him. He pitied all the victims, but they weren't his victims, so he couldn't mourn them. He mourned his wife. Cute little Jenya, the chorus girl, but that was it. That was it because who could carry it around with them? This gunner character was doing exactly that, and look at him. And anyway, Jenya was no saint. She'd been having an affair with Mintus Farkland, his own agent. Oh, and hadn't it been fine to see that backstabber's name on the lists? Even if Jenya was gone, at least Farkland had gotten the flame. Zara should ask for that to happen, and they'd given it to him. Even just thinking of it, he wanted to spit in disgust and satisfaction. They would have gone after Farkland anyway, he'd been told, so even that pig wasn't Zarish's victim. No. His hands, they were clean. They were clean! There's no choice, he repeated, shaking his head studying the earth under the bench and under his feet. Gunner closed his eyes on whatever scene he had been watching and shook his head as well. It lasted a long time, the man just sitting there, head going back and forth against Zarish's words or against the past or against the truth of that past because they were one and the same thing. But then he opened them again and they centered on the comedian. They were like ebon crystals, but with light inside them, and thought. Lots of thought. This fat fool was no fool, Zarish could see. Cursed, yes, and haunted, but smart enough to recognize reality when it was presented to him, unlike most people, unlike those slanderers and armchair strategists on the vid shows, those idiots hadn't been there. They had no right. Even this man had no right to judge him. Gunner got to his feet with an exhausted heave, like a groan, as if, while sitting there, he'd been running for his life. There's always a choice, he replied, fishing out something from his sleeve. Zarish recognized a steak knife from the club. The man held it firmly in his hand, just for a moment, while the last vapors of indecision held him in a similar grip. Then he threw it gently into the bushes and grasses and creeping vines beyond the oak tree that hid the galaxy from their eyes. The heavy guy pierced him with one last glance full of darkness and fury and sadness maybe all these things, maybe none of them, before walking away. No haste, just some quiet steps, a man with no commitments in life who simply faded into the foliage and distance. Zarish sat there for long minutes, breathing in the heady scent of the gardens, Hearing distant crowds who might have only been just meters away, walking over unseen paths, chattering, laughing, looking for release. He felt a cool breeze on his raised face, 
that might have only been a memory. Listening to Another Show at 22, a short story written and read by David Collins Rivera. You can contact me at lostinbronx at gmail.com. That's L O S T N B R O N X at gmail. You can also check out my site at cavalcadeaudio.com and sign up for my newsletter where you'll find exclusive content and early releases. This story is copyright 2015 by the author and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 international license. Feel free to use it for any purpose, even commercial, and I encourage you to do so. The Star Drifter theme is a piece called i by Trunks and can be found on SoundCloud.com. The theme for Another Show at 22 is called Winter Walk Silver Trumpet Mix by Spinning Merkaba and is available on dig.ccmixter.org. Another Show at 22 is a work of fiction and is not based upon nor meant to portray any person, living or dead, nor any particular place or situation. Thank you for listening. Take care.